0: To this work as an ancestral healer all those things were it's like a light switch was turned on and i knew that this was the time for me to step into this purpose so i think you know having been home recently i'm still buzzing from that walking among the uh, i went to traditional healers i went to um elders i went to cultural places and and the looks they gave me first of all it was just the
1: welcome in their eyes because they knew I was one of them. All these are important for us. And we're going to be the one to tell this story. We're going to want to build on this memory. We're going to want to be to elaborate on it again and again and again. This is a story that we need to tell and again, following the words of Dr. Thomasia, unapologetically. It is important for us, but most importantly, for our children. They need to know where they are coming from. And this is what the building of the memory is about.
2: We are strategically placed in lives by our experiences to tell our stories, to own our stories, to craft our stories and to empower others with that story of healing, of overcoming, of anger, of fear, of doubt. Because when I'm at the end of my story, when I'm standing telling the story, there are the lessons. I am sharing the lessons that belong to me and the lessons that others must derive from that
3: story.
1: we be talking about uh, building diaspora memory uh, with storytelling and I feel that is important for us I feel that is an obligation for us to be able to pass our story down to other people who are going to be here after us uh, so that they can understand our passes and then able to build on their own because this is fundamentally important I am with Olatujin uh, who is joining us from Lagos so Olatuji, please tell the people who you are then of course, I'm going to ask you your take on the conversation of today. Please go ahead.
4: All right, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And um, uh, just like you heard, my name is Ola Olatunji and uh, it's been a very interesting uh, ride, uh, you know, on, on this project, you know, uh, brightening up and causing inspiration that will make us to become more homely and um, uh, more conscious of our African origin. No matter where you go, you need to understand that um, you are not uh, a secondary citizen. You know, you are not a, 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 a fidu anywhere you go. You are original and you're supposed to carry yourself like that. So it's always a very good time uh, here on this uh, program to be able to inspire us. All right. What we are doing here basically is not to, to change who you are. It's also to inspire who you have always been that you have kept away from the hiding. Right. And um, uh, I'm an emotionally intelligent uh, uh, coach uh, and an EQ expert, certified uh, professional who help people uh, with personal development and also businesses to be able to grow. Uh, from the standpoint of, hey, come on, you are your first business. So it's always uh, a very good opportunity when I see that people are involved and we have to do great stuff together. So um, I wanna appreciate every one of us who have stepped into this room today and um, uh, you know, you found it interesting to be part of this. It's gonna be a very, very uh, beautiful time together today. Please uh, take a very nice posture and let's enjoy this together thank you uh, i i also quickly want to welcome dr marcia you're welcome uh, uh um banerji banerji you're also welcome thank you so much
1: thank you so much for that uh Ola, i appreciate that and of course i appreciate Dr. Masia. Dr. that you are super i am very happy to have you here uh, who have who have listened to you i have not been moved by your story if i recently i just published uh, a, a, a video extract from uh, the pre- the presentation of my brother's book the biography of, of my brother I, I was listening to it today Dr. Matsia you don't know how much i appreciate your participation thank you so much for that i really appreciate that yeah thank you and of course uh uh, uh benanji thank you for joining us uh i will pass the mic to you uh, after a while just be patient with us okay i appreciate your presence uh dr marcia please go ahead and tell the people who you are Good night,
2: everyone, good night, good evening, good day. It depends on where you are in the world. I am a humble servant leader who is internationally certified by credentials and also by experience and training to take top career professionals who are Christians into overcoming their unique challenges. leadership. I am also a certified life coach, emotional coach, Christian leadership coach, and also an emotionally intelligent coach. I am an author of stories, and also I have just released a book that is called A Leader Like You that is on the market that helps leaders to navigate the challenges, the pains, and those issues that are not usually brought to the surface as a leader. And so it, has, it is preparing new leaders, aspiring leaders, and seasoned leaders to understand their assignments, their levels of assignments, their purposeful commissioning and positioning to inspire, to empower, to change lives, and to change outcomes in a very moral and ethical way, so they redeem the times that are evil. I expect to have a great experience sharing today, hearing your thoughts, and partnering and collaborating with my erudite co-hosts, Obihi and Alatunje. I have great respect and admiration for their expertise and wisdom, and also for their works. And as they move along, to unitedly together change outcomes and build lives. Stories are an integral part of how we share our experiences and how we navigate our connections to make what we do become a united and meaningful purposeful endeavor wherever we are. And so I love this space because it helps to build the memory And it helps to secure the advances that we need emotionally, mentally, financially, socially, and spiritually to empower us to do more and to represent ourselves unapologetically and presently to those who need us and those who will need them as they pass on these experiences through their interpretations of their, what they have experienced. Thank you, obi for giving me this opportunity to be a part of this and to share. May each person benefit today and may you have a very good day as we share.
1: Thank you so much for that, Dr. Matia. I appreciate that, I really do. Uh, This is why we are here, we are connected now. Um, This is the essence of, of this storytelling series. Where we essentially are talking about us, uh, let me borrow your word for that, unapologetically. We need to talk about ourselves unapologetically. I believe that our ancestors will be happy see what we are doing today uh, at this time, leveraging the power of the Internet. You are right there uh, in Jamaica and uh, I am in Italy and Olatuji is in Nigeria. All of us are bounded by the same story. We are Africans, we have a common destiny, we have a common experience, we have a common origin. So it is important that we talk about ourselves, it is important that unapologetically we should talk about ourselves, talk about our senses and sensibility. Look at the world from our vantage point and be able to say this is how we see it. This is how it reflects us. This is our story, and this is how we want to raise our flag in the world. It is fundamentally important, and I can't stress that enough. You see, if you go to Google, for example, and type how many uh, people of African diaspora are scattered in the world, you are going to be surprised. We are hundreds of millions of people. We represent a significant force in the world, so our story is important. The experiences that we have made is important. And this story need to be available in everything that we do. We must push it. It's not going to happen on its own. We're not going to allow the mainstream to do this for us. We're going to push it through wherever we are. I don't know. You are writing a book. Dr. Mansell have just written a book. That is one of the best way to make sure that our experiences are documented. Are you singing? You are going to have to sing it, sing it to the people that you are proudly African diaspora, that you know where you are coming from, that you know whom your ancestors are, that you know why why you are what you are and where you are today. Are you painting? You need to paint that into your canvas. Let the people know who you are. Let them understand you unapologetically that this is what you represent. You are a child of millions of years of evolution. You are a child coming from Africa. Your ancestors are great. They have set the foundation upon which the science and technology of today is built upon. They are the masters of mathematics, astronomy, physics, history, biology, all these are important for us and we are going to be the one to tell this story, we are going to want to build on this memory, we are going to want to be to elaborate on it again and again and again. This is a story that we need to tell and again, borrow the words of Dr. Marcia unapologetically. It is important for us but most importantly for our children. They need to know where they are coming from. And this is what the building of the memory is about. So that for us that are here right now, it should be like a kind of an obligation for us to do this. That right now, at this moment, we are connecting across hundreds of kilometers, thousands of kilometers, and we are talking about what we should be talking about every day building our memory we are going to do this intentionally so i really want to thank all of you that are here and uh, before i of course pass the message on to dr marcia and Olatuji, i have two guests in the room i will just um let you introduce yourself shortly
0: thank you my dear brother obehi and greetings to everybody in the room it's always wonderful to be in the room here um, talking uh, one of my favorite uh, topics here. Uh, I have to tell you, um, I'm in between work, so that's why I'm dipping in and out. So I'll be I'll be quite brief. Um, I'm an ancestral healing coach, and it's working with people just to help them to reconnect with their roots, you know, learning about who they are, feeling proud about their identity, you know, um, owning the innate power that we've been given by the divine. You know, learning about um, um, the traditions of our peoples, and really knowing that what we've been given, we have we cannot afford to lose, to waste, to ignore, to allow anybody to take from us, and and I think where we are now in the world, even more than ever before, um, the, the the stories that we tell the understanding we we, we have as as a people. Everybody is fighting for who they are. Everybody's, you know, um, making the the world around them know where they belong. And we as Africans, this is our time. This is our time because what we have, what we've been given, you know, our knowledge base, our, our resources, our traditions, all of those things are unique. And our children need us to tell these stories because they are they are impacted, they are affected. I've just come back from from Nigeria. Um, I've lived in the UK for thirty years plus thereabouts, and um, my orientation has always been eclectic, you know. But somehow, what I've been given by my forefathers, my parents, my uncles, my aunts, my big mommies, big daddies, all of the things that they gave me have, have recited. They have just been lying dormant. And when I stepped into this work as an ancestral healer, all those things were, it's like a light switch was turned on. And I knew that this was the time for me to step into this purpose. So I think, you know, having been home recently, I'm still buzzing from that. Walking among the uh, I went to traditional healers, I went to um, elders, I went to cultural places. And, and the looks they gave me, first of all, it was just the welcome in their eyes because they knew I was one of them. When I first of all, it was I, are, you, are you sure you know, were you raised here? And I spoke the language. and and the love just flowed. They told me stories. They told me, they actually told me to make sure I tell them in Oibo land, Oibo means white people's land, tell them who I am and that I belong to them. I, I I think I wept throughout the two weeks. I'm still trying to recover from that because that sense of this is my land. I lay on the floor. They had to pick me up. You know, they weren't sure what was going on with me. I just told them I was okay. I was happy. I was happy to be here, and every 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 bit of my 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 soul, my spirit, my blood is tingling because I'm very sure of who I am, and I want my my children to know this about themselves also, and I want the world to know it. Like I said, what's going on around the world now? We're in a different time. This is not the time for us to take for granted. This is the time for us also. For people to hear our voices, for people to know that as 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 Africans, you know uh, um, tribalism is not that's that's old. That's a waste of time, you know, but there are people who are continuously going to be screaming to separate us, fighting to to to, to divide us. So we also have to be very strong and clear in what we're doing. I, for one know, I'm doing exactly what my people, my forefathers, my ancestors, what they want me to do. And they are strengthening me every day. I, I, From the minute I met my brother Obehi, I told him, I said, there's a spiritual connection. You've come into my life at a time where, and I've come into your life at a time where, you know, this is part of the work we're going to do together with others. And, and I'm excited beyond anything. And I hope you can feel that excitement. So I'm gonna stop here because I have to step up.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much, sister.
0: Thank you.
1: <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate what you're doing. Of course I I anyway Anyway, aside this place, you understand what I mean. I hope you keep all those records because I sincerely told you that you must keep those records. Yes, you have, brother. All right, good, good, good. We'll talk after this. Now, Gloria is doing a wonderful work. Okay, Uh, we are are partnered in some area uh, of her work uh, where she does about ancestral healing, helping people to sort of find their root. And this is fundamentally important. Now, I want to also pay attention to this before I pass the mic to Anacostia. Uh, that you need to stand on the ground. You need to really let your feet touch the ground. Now, what I, what I really want us to, to imagine is that somebody, somebody, unfortunately, is trying to stand between us and the ground where we are standing. Somebody wants to be in the middle. We are not going to allow that to continue because it has continued for a very long time. So that somebody else is telling us who we are, is telling us our story. I don't know if you can feel the sensation when Gloria was saying that uh, because she went for a, a trip, an important trip in uh, trip in Nigeria, uh, that she was literally lying on the ground as she repeated the word, that she was fully sure, she's fully sure of who she is. That is fundamentally important, that we could really stand with our feet on the ground, not on top of grammar, on top of uh, the edifices that have been built by other people, and from there we'll be saying, ah, I know about Africa. I am the African. You are the African. You must tell it. this is who I am. This is my story. It's my heritage. It is not a favor to me. It is not like somebody is going to grant me a favor by allowing me to be an African. No, I am born. I am an African. This is my story. This is my heritage. But, you see, sometimes I get a little bit emotional when I'm talking about these things. But I think it is fundamentally important that we build this memory. We talk about ourselves from from our vantage point. It is important. Anyway, if you have the time to be able to to talk to some elders, those who have been here for a long time, those who have seen what is going on in Africa, you will be able to have a different kind of perspective. It is important to make those kind of journey when it is possible for us, like um, Gloria have just done, going back to your ancestral home. Talk to people who are there, who are able to know beyond the, the the letters on the book, because the book is a copy of what is already there, but there are people who actually live that kind of life, who can put their hand on you and bless you, who can tell you, welcome home.
3: Okay, um, grand writing everyone, I'm Nakaja, I'm an author of Play the Game, Hierarchical Simulation. I also write children's books as well. Um, I'm a business owner, and when I first hear the topic of building diaspora, memory storytelling, it reminds me of a lot of the work that I try to do with my business, which is um, inform our people within the African diaspora who we are by telling us our histories, reminding us of our Holocaust that has happened Um, and getting us to unite and come together by building businesses and supporting each other. Um, Specifically, I, I like to work in the field of trying to close that gap Um, between Africans within the diasporas, it's this huge stereotype, I'm sure some of you guys may have heard it, that Africans don't like African-Americans and African-Americans don't like Africans, but this is um, a myth that has been going on that people feed into because they don't know or they go off of what they see on TV, but there is so much love there, but there's so much misinformation in between. So kind of similar to what Obi is discussing about someone being in between us and our land, Um, So something that I really am passionate about and trying to work through is how do we get people from different places that are outside of the continent of Africa to come back and to learn and to experience. And so um, I've recently been working on a project I want to do that basically involves young people re-identifying who they are, looking at different narratives that have been told about them. So, for example, um, I recently have been reading through the Dred Scott versus Sanford case, like actually looking at the original documents, which was the Supreme Court case in, in the United States of America that basically said, if you are a Negro of African um, heritage and or black, then you are not a citizen of the United States of America. Thus you cannot bring a court to case. So they were basically trying, Dred Scott was trying to sue um, the state for having them become enslaved again when they were freed people and the court said well you guys are negro you guys are african you guys are black so you don't you don't have any rights here so we're looking at how these labels and identifiers have us be positioned as residents or second class citizens rather than being actual citizens Um, So I try to work that through with youth so they can get to understand how those things can impact our psyche and cause us to perpetuate our own oppression and our own violence with each other. Um, So that's a little bit of the work that I, I try to do. And then the whole goal is to reconnect this back to the continent, get people to understand what Africa looks like outside of what their perceptions or misconceptions are specifically trying to do agricultural projects in Ghana because I have a business out in Ghana as well and doing like soil rejuvenation, getting back into the soil because that's really important with the whole agribusiness stage that we're in. Um, So yeah, that's a little bit about me and what comes to mind with that whole thing of like re-imprinting our Africanness within us again and reclaiming our stories and refinding those stories. So thank you for having me. I won't be able to speak for long and I'm sad that I didn't get to hear everyone speak but um in the next 2 weeks I hope to hear more stories thank uh, you
1: all right that's great that's great anyway don't worry the room is recorded so it's going to be available for everybody to see uh, later on uh, so yeah we are making sure that that is that is done all right now let's uh, go back to the mid uh, but don't don't worry Saif Ali I'm coming to you just now okay uh, i have a question um for Dr. Matsia then I'll, I'll come to Alatiji Uh, The question is this, um, uh, why do we even need to do this? What is the importance of doing this? Uh, What is your take on that? Somebody is not yet clear. If we really need to uh, be talking about building our memory as people of African descent, what does it mean?
2: For me, uh, building memory storytelling is a universal aspect of continuity continuity of shared identity, culture, and a history among these communities that may lose sight or are losing sight of themselves and who they are. A fundamental aspect of preserving common experiences and building diaspora memory for me is, 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 is love, self-love. You first must love and accept yourself as uniquely different and fearfully and wonderfully made. In that way, you will not find yourself comparing yourself to others, but coveting good things. What do I mean by coveting good things? Because coveting in itself is a word that has become or ingrained and programmed in us to be a dirty word. But the Bible does say we are to covet good things. So I always look at how other nations like the Chinese and so on, wherever they are in the world, are united and very, very committed to a purpose, a purpose of building and uplifting their country. So, even if there is disparity among them, that is not seen. Because wherever they go in the world, they build up and send back the resources to their country. Why am I using that as an example? We must tell our stories and create a memory that the whole world covets by sharing these stories and Building our memory bank, we ensure that our unique heritage and experiences are passed down authentically and remembered for generations to come. Our stories are unique and they belong to us. They are very personal, but they are still corporate enough. So there is a responsibility, a personal responsibility, and a corporate responsibility To make sure that I fill my memory with those things that are really honest, empowering, and transforming. Those parts of my culture and my identity and my history that must never be lost. That must be guarded with my life. And I must pass on those things very convincingly, very forcefully very lovingly and truthfully to those who encounter me. When I come up to them, I must carry an aroma of my identity proudly and I must leave that aroma behind very convincingly that I change lives and transform mindsets and perspectives. and I court collaboration, admiration, and connection that must never be lost. That is how I see building Diaspora Memory with storytelling. We are strategically placed in life by our experiences to tell our stories to own our stories, to craft our stories, and to empower others with that story of healing, of overcoming, of anger, of fear, of doubt. Because when I'm at the end of my story, when I'm standing telling the story, there are the lessons. I am sharing the lessons that belong to me and the lessons that others must derive from that story that is the memory that will never be forgotten or lost. Because when I am able to use my story to transform lives and change outcomes, it can never be forgotten. It is a memory that is embedded in those who you have touched, those who you have healed, those who have you empowered, those you have trained, those you have mentored.
1: Thank you so much for that. Uh, and that is really very important. Huh? Uh, I think somewhere it was said that uh, those who know themselves, those who know their history, where they are coming from, they will walk a different light. And I think this is what is important. This is what this is all about. In that we must know our story because our story gives us power. Our story helps us to understand the beauty in the world. Now, when I say story, what I mean by that is that if you lack Knowledge of yourself, you are lost. Now, what does it mean, lost? You see, if you take food and you eat, that food you eat or that thing you eat can literally kill you if you don't know what you are eating. That is also a story. You see, you need to know what you are eating. And to know this, it is not necessarily based on. Your experience a low because other people have experimented for thousands of years and then come to the conclusion that this thing can actually be eaten. But do you know that some of those food that you eat, if you eat some of them raw, you will also die because some food are very acidic. You, You just do not have enough lifespan to live and experiment on this. This is why you need to rely on the experiences of other people. So we need to know the story behind us, where we are coming from. Like literally, we are standing on the shoulder of giants. That is why we can see far ahead of us. This I think this should be understood as not just a figurative terms. It is real that we need to build up this memory bank so that people many years after us can literally go there and flip over the pages and say, okay, yes, this and this and this they did, this and this and this. Okay. Now, as I move forward from here, I am going to add this and this there, maybe add my little experiences to it and then come up with something new. Uh, Okay. You might be thinking that maybe I'm speaking jargon. Let me make it a little bit clearer. If you have ever taken a flight, I want you to know that a flight is not just built of uh, an imagination. It's built up based on the experiences that is already in existence, like the bears for example. Because the aeroplane, aeroplane is built up of the logic of aerodynamics. If you build aeroplane without some of the dynamics that the bear used to fly, which of course human beings have been studying for several years, it cannot fly. What about the the train, for example? Many of us take train. Now, if you look into nature, you see that there is a a direct copy of a train. And if you look at that animal, which is the millipede and other like in the family, if you see where the millipede pass, it looks exactly like the train track. Now, you can begin to deconstruct that a little by little like, why is the millip- the millipede with my, to you it might not even make any sense. The millipede does it even have any value? Of course, it has it had a lot of value. The story that we have been told about that, and the story that we have learned, the ancestors have passed down for us, help us to be able to build something new for us. We don't we don't necessarily need to like wear their clothes, eat the food that the way they eat it. But if we have an understanding of how their life has been constructed, of what for them was important, of what their reality was, of how they see themselves and see the world, we will build a better, more robust world for ourselves, not for them, for ourselves. But we can never do that if we don't build it based on the proud knowledge. So I repeat again. It is fundamentally important that we build up this bank of memory. Because based on this, our children our, and our children's children will have a better future. Because they can build on our experiences. When they add their own experiences to it, they will be 100 times better than us. But if we don't, if we don't leave a copy of our existence for them, as memory for them to leverage, they might get confused because you cannot stand without the sand under your feet. The sand under your feet is what is helping you to have balance so that you don't just fly in the air. You are standing on something. That something is bigger than you. In the relationship between you as an object and the environment, should be understood that your environment is bigger than you, is deeper than you, is more powerful than you. In fact, the idea that we want to save the world, sometimes actually, it doesn't actually make sense. The better, better word for it should be, we want to save ourselves. Because nature is not in danger. We are the one in danger, the human being or the life on earth. So, it is we that we are trying to save, not nature. You know what nature will do? If we, so, if we so arrogantly disturb it to the point that it want to react, it will just change. And by the time nature change, it might take us maybe another one million years for us to come back to the, to the level that we are today. So, nature is not the danger. We are the one in danger. So we must be able to build up our memory, our memory bank, so that other people can build upon that. Little by little, we'll be adding one layer on top of it, that our life will always be better. Of course, our life, I mean, our generation's life. Their life will always be better because they are building on solid rock. Because they know where they are coming from. That is why we don't eat poison. Because we know what poison will mean to us. Because other people have done it, have done the experiment for us. And because of their story, we can live better today. But how do we do that? That is where I'm going to come to Olatouji. Uh, Saif, don't worry, I'm coming to you just now. Olatuji, what would you say uh, about how to build up this memory bank using storytelling so that our future generation can have something to leverage they might design different type of cars, and I'm very certain of that. That the car that is going to be designed 200 years from now, 500 years from now, are going to be completely different from what we have today. But they are going to be built. On, they are going to be built based on what we already have today, because without what we have today, it will be difficult for them to build what they want to build. Without the elementary setup. Of mathematics that the Africans already have, they cannot build the pyramid. And without those same knowledge, we cannot build the superstructure that we have today. It's always building one stone on top of the other. So, how do we build this memory bank? Help me with that.
4: Well, all right, interesting. Thank you so much. Uh, I, I like what you have been doing since. Uh, you know, looking at my background in engineering. Um, you you have crossly talked about the concept we call biomimicry. All right, uh, we we actually cannot bring anything out of life without life itself, without considering what life has been or what life you know can teach us. You know, uh, we, we, we can't have the airplane without understanding how the birds you know, fly uh, and all of it like that. A lot of things around us have actually been mimicked from life. And that's very important um, uh, part of life. And then um, what we call STEM, you know, was actually brought up because uh, somebody wanted to say something that can be easily pronounced. All right. Uh, science, technology, engineering and mathematics. But this is where it starts. It, it starts with STEM. Um, Uh, mathematics right Uh, science engineering then technology all right that's that's the way it happens you must understand the one plus two before you now understand that okay uh, two plus two or certain this and that will give us this then we now bring it together manipulating uh, you know science and the uh, mathematics is engineering and when we bring everything together we have the kind of technology where we are today it's a technology that is making you to be able to hear me from wherever you are hearing me all right uh, it's not it's not just engineering all right this is the application of technology all right it's engineering that gave us uh let's say you know your phone All right, engineering gave us your phone and certain features like the operating systems and all of it, like that. You know, they are now on the level of technology. But before we come to having your phone, you know, work the way it's working, we have to go to okay, you know, this mathematics is telling us okay so so number of days this should be the size of what you want to do this should be the length this should be the breadth this should be the quantity this should be the all of those things they are very important why did i say all of these things i want to take us from a place that is familiar because we're in a technology world to you know to understanding all of these things and um uh there's an adage in my language in yoruba language that says you know, uh, I would I would interpret it literally, I would say it in Yoruba so that you understand for those who understand Yoruba, that um, and let me give you a literal, you know, uh, interpretation of that, that the shy the, the that we have not built will sell the house that we have built, all right? So something must be sold. Something must be sold. So if you do not build the right operating system, all right? You see, I, I, I looked at something which there was, it was so interesting. My my younger brother was showing uh, one of the pictures of his, um, you know, uh, uh, sign out from the university. And I saw the, the pictures and I saw his fingers. I saw that his fingers were neatly cut. And I remember those days at home, how our parents would monitor our fingers and make sure that they are neatly cut and i i i just began to think about it how nobody is with this young man in school how nobody calls him and say hey have you cut your nails all right how nobody say hey have you done this and you know in that kind of expression where he has all the rights to do whatever he wants to do he was still able to maintain certain values. All right. So, uh, building diaspora memory with storytelling is so important because there is nothing that is going to be done that we do not have uh, a similitude of it already. Like we, we came, I intentionally came from that part, you know, talking about biomimicry. All right. That's been the most inspirational point of creation, of invention in life. So when you come, uh, this storytelling is giving us a lot. I call it like the operating system. All right. When the operating system is there, it determines how each feature will function. When you have the, 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 the younger generations coming up and they are able to assess a body of uh, of memory that tells them where they are coming from. You know, I usually would tell you that when you look at the word Africa, what I see is Afro-can, all right? There is capacity in it. I, I, I think I once told us that I always have the ambition to to be the second um, uh, Mama Dali, right? You know, it was it was my, my role model at a point. And um, I actually did not intend to to fight, all right? But I just wanted to be uh, an activist. I wanted to be that guy that will beat up, you know, this silly young boy that disrespects the elder. I just said, what's the meaning of that? I will beat you and next time don't disrep- disrespect elders. That was my ambition for, you know, boxing. You know, I didn't have the opportunity to be professional, but I did one or two things, you know, trying to learn how to box, all right? And uh, uh, what made it so fascinating to me, you know, about boxing was the story of Mama Dali. He was formerly uh, Cassius Clay, which was a slave name given to him. And at a point in, in time in his life, he changed the name. All right. And I watched one of his interview. I think that was like two weeks ago. And I watched one of his interview he was at the court and they were calling him Cassius, Mr. Cassius Clay. He said, no, I am Mama Dali. You know, this man's uh, charisma for me is something that is, you know, epic, something that we should learn. And he said, no, I am Mama Dali. And, you know, w- whether it was a judge or wherever I was, he called the name again and he said, no, Mama Dali until the person who was calling the name now agreed and said, oh, okay, whatever you say. Also, Muhammad Ali, he now say whatever I wanted to say. In one of his interviews, he said, how will I accept to be a clay, the man that is on the ground, when Muhammad Dali? you know, Muhammad in Islam means somebody that is praiseworthy, a person that is Muhammad, somebody that is praiseworthy, and Ali means to be high and exalted." He said, how will I prefer to be called clay when I can be high and exalted? So I refuse to be a clay. I am not a slave. And every, every pint of his blood with which he fought, he was only making one statement, fighting against whatever was against his identity. J.J. Okosha said, when I got there, I saw that there was a lot of racism. I don't want to mention there. And he said, I saw that a lot of, there was a lot of racism. And the only way I can fight racism there was to dribble them. And I would dribble them and dribble them. And they would be, you know, so amazed. how can somebody be this good? Now, all of this I am telling us because I assessed them in some story bank. And the impact they have on me, remember, the impact of Mama Dali on me almost turned me to a boxer. I'll have been one of the best. I, I can bet it for sure. And even though I'm not a boxer today, I am a fighter. And that's why you are hearing my voice today, because I'm fighting for the Afro can. We can. Africans can. But we are unable to understand all of these truths about ourselves. Oh, Ali, you are back. I wanted to ask you the meaning of Ali, you know, to make it more conversational. Right. So, you know, we cannot understand the depth of our world and our identity if we are only going to depend on what we are going to research. You know, Mr. Aubei made a lot of profound, you know, uh, statement ahead. I just want to, you know, touch on them. You would, you would have been dead before you discover what food is, if food detection is our, our job in this generation. Because you eat poison, you will not be able to eat the next one that is food, and you'll be gone. So those who discover the food that we are eating now, they are one of the greatest geniuses that you can ever talk about. Even some of the food we eat now, they discover that when you eat too much of them, or you eat some of them in combination, they are harmful. And somehow you were told, don't eat it like this, eat it like this. This is storytelling. Giving us memory. There is an operate. I don't need to, like, you know, I, I gave you very personal examples because I want you to understand the impact of story in my life. I have told us before that my grandma was my best friend before she died. And she told me a lot of stories that I do not understand at at the point she was telling me, but I made sure that I did not forget them, that it was after she died, that I began to think about those things and they came back to me as wisdom. Now, if she had not shared with me, you know, earlier today now uh, in in one of my classes uh, where I teach uh, people emotional intelligence, I had to tell them that my, my grandma was one of the most emotionally intelligent human beings I ever met. And emotional intelligence now, because the way it seems, you know, I was telling her, it's not because you can read and write. She could not read and write. And I needed to tell them the story. <laughs> and what was the story? She gave up on learning how to read and write because she was too beautiful that people were fighting over her. Somebody sent to her Bushmit, all right? And they told they told the person that was to give her the Bushmit who was supposed to be the tutor, teaching her how to read and write then. The Bushmeets was already laced with some love sham as some, you know, that was the assumption, right? Uh, whereas it was dead medicine, but somehow, you know, uh, our parents lived in a very cultured environment. They don't take gifts anyhow, all right? So she didn't take that gift, but why she did not take the gift? Somebody else jumped on it and ate the meat and the person died only to now discover that, oh, it was not actually a love potion that was on the food. It was a poison. And that made her give up totally on wanting to learn how to read and write. But like I said, so I, you know, I was just trying to you know drive home a point with my student in class today that see, you don't need to learn how to read and write for you to be able to exhibit emotional intelligence. And just the same thing I'm bringing to us today, right? You know, you don't need the person that will tell you the story that we need to be able to preserve and awaken our capacity to be a professor. They don't need to make sense. Come on. They don't need to be, you know, our deans. They don't need to be dons of whatever kind of, uh, of education or academic qualification. Please Listen. So this that we are doing today, remember what I said, the, 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 the children or the son that is not built will sell the house that is built. So if we are not going to, and, and so far we have been sold. I mean, we have been sold and that is why we are here. We want to stop being sold. We have been sold for too, too much. No, there's no amount that is enough to what our value, but they have sold almost everything that we've got. So we need to stop that. And that's why we are coming. But what, will you blame the people who sold us out? It's not their fault. They did not hear what they were supposed to hear. That there is, there is no amount of worth or value of money or whatever, casually, that is what's being sold out. Nothing you will tell anybody. Nothing should make us lose our identity, no matter how they paint it. So we have been sold, and this is a cry for us to, you know, retrieve. Let's come back from where we have been sold to. But what will help us? We need to build this diaspora memory with storytelling. And why are we choosing stories? I've said a lot of things today that Eva had given us in topical forms. Like, okay, number one is this. Subtopic is this. You would forget, but if you would not want to remember anything, you remember the story of my grandma. You remember the story of how I wanted to become a boxer. You remember, a, a, you know, a, a number of things that I've said because I've said them in stories. When things become this tough, only stories can help us, and that's why we have decided to tell these stories. You know, like we always would say, we we don't need to make that difference but we are, we, are, we are satisfied to be the inspiration that will inspire as many people as possible to make even bigger difference that we can envisage or imagine. So don't let anything inside of you tell you that, hey, come, this is a call for you. Don't let that thing be quieted at all. Allow it to gain expression. Because if we don't do it, the land under your feet will just be announced to you that it has been sold. And you know what that means? When the land under your feet is sold, you have nothing again. You are already even sold with it. Look around us. They have sold everything that we have. Why? Because they were not taught how to preserve. They were not taught how to keep And nobody can keep anything, all right? Nobody can keep anything. I think I've, you know, treated it with us before. I invented a concept for for explaining emotional intelligence. And that is the finger rule of emotional intelligence, all right? I'm not teaching us emotional intelligence, but I want to quickly bring home something. Look at the finger rule of emotional intelligence. You see your thumb. Your thumb is your self-awareness. Your forefinger is your self-management. The the middle finger is your self-motivation. The ring finger... Uh, is your empathy, and the baby finger is your social skill. I will not talk about all of these things, but I quickly want to talk about self-awareness, all right, because of a point I want to drive home as, I'm, as, I, as I begin to round off. You see, the self-awareness, that is your thumb. If you have the opportunity to severe your thumb from your, your, your hand, you will understand what I mean, that without your thumb, you cannot have a grip of anything. Have you seen a leper before? Do you know why they are lepers? It's not because they lost their fingers, but because they lost their thumb to start with. They lost their, their toe to start with. When the toe is not there, you are unable to stand. When the thumb is not there, you are unable to grip. And what did I call the thumb for you in emotional intelligence? That's self-awareness. You know what that means? Without self-awareness, you have no grip of anything in your life. It's like going to the market without knowing your shoe size. No matter how beautiful the shoe you buy, it will never fit you. So the people have sold us. It's not their fault. They only don't know who they are. And that's why they can sell what they don't know. Now, we, 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 recently there was a repatriation of so many, you know, uh, uh, golden many golden stuff they sold in form of idols. Now, I know that some of them are not real coming back. But what I'm telling us is, if you do not take hold of who you are, you will never be able to have a grip on what you, what is, you know, what is entirely supposed to be yours. You will give it out. So this is helping us to bring back those things that we have lost. And not just to bring back those things we have lost, but also build an operating system in the mind of as many as possible that will come in contact with this, to know how to retain afterwards. It's not sufficient to bring back, but can they retain? But when they hear that, no, these guys came to take these things from us, then we'll know that we are in, if we can have it in the first place, that means we are capable of using it to the best and to the, you know, to the highest possible means of, of value. That they can give to us, so they, because they have come to steal them from us, does not make them the owner, all right? But because we do not understand the things we need to know about these things, they stole them from us. But now we are we are awake, we are waking up, and we are going to take those things. We bring them back, and what what is the thing starting for uh, from is starting from our self awareness, knowing that Afro can, we can. We are not impossible people. We are Africans and Africans, even though they told you know a lot of body of knowledge that says, hey, Africa was not actually the name, whatever it is, I see power in it. I will not fight what I have now because of what I don't have yet. Use what you have now as a strength to get what you have. And this is very important. All that we have now is sufficient. The ground you are standing on is what you need in the first place to be able to reclaim the ground that you lost. You see Africa, I see Afro can. We can and we will get all that we need to get. Let's go back and retrieve our tomb. Who are you? You can. You are not, you are not, you know, uh, uh, impossible. You are not somebody that cannot do something without somebody giving an approval. Come on. You see the term, the, 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 the give yourself the term of self-awareness.
1: Uh, all right, thank you so much, Olatuji. That That is a full lecture. I, I really appreciate that, I really do. Thank you so much. <laughs> I can see a lot of value there. I really, really do appreciate it. Thank you. There, there is a lot of things that actually uh, are noted uh, when you were talking, and you know? uh, they were really quite valuable. And um, yeah, I want to just touch one of oh, them, then I can pass the mic to uh, Salif. Um, and I think that that should be a quote somewhere. Uh, I should keep it somewhere as a quote, that uh, if you refuse to build the child, that child that you didn't build is going to save the house that you have built. Uh, I, what I take away from that um, look to me like a responsibility. And it looked to me like what we are doing here. And it looked to me like how our society is structured uh, this is also reflected in another thing that you said, that at the point uh, when you were seeing uh, uh, Muhammad Ali inspiring you to become a boss, huh, is because you wanted to be a kind of um, a social police, as it were, in that you, you wanted to beat people that, did, that 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 were disrespecting the elders uh, so that people that were breaking the the societal norm, you wanted the you wanted it there to be uh, a kind of um, a harmony in the society because if you don't do that if you don't keep on building society with will, dis- will be destroyed now in my place in my language there is an adage that that is said like this let me say it, then i will probably interpret it um, in english in this uh, it is said like this That would mean that the person who has a bad attention will always want to exhibit his bad attention. It is natural for him or her to be bad. But why that individual is not always bad or not able to exhibit his bad attitude? is because of the people he or she is living with. Because they are not going to allow him or her to do that. It is not that the person doesn't want to do bad, but the, the community, the society will not allow you to do it. Why? Olachuji says something important there. If you refuse to build the child, that child that you refuse to build will destroy the house that you have built. That should be a quote somewhere. That is powerful. In that, In this social web where we are, in this society where we are, each of us is a partaker, each of us is a stakeholder, each of us is a cardinal point, literally me, hold your ground where you are, hold your flag where you are, don't only complain about other people don't only complain about tinubu the president of nigeria you are going to ask yourself tinubu is just one person he cannot be in abuja and lagos and kaduna and Imo uh, state and those state at the same time if Tinubu is actually the bad person in nigeria he will only be bad in national rock but we can see now that there are a lot of bad things Happening across Nigeria with me, it is the problem of the Nigerian people. It's not just the problem of the president. After all, the president came through a process. If the people were this good, they could produce Tinubu. Now, why am I taking this line? I am taking this line because I believe it is where we take responsibility for what is happening to us that we can change it. If we only blame, then that situation will be perpetuated for eternity. In 2010, I wrote a book that I titled "On the Development in Africa, My Hands Are Clean. Some people will be saying, but why do you say your hands are clean? In fact, I wasn't really referring to my hands. I was referring to the hands of African people, of course, me included. Which, which, in this case, sometimes we like to blame other people for where we are today. But sometimes we haven't taken up the challenge enough to change that situation. Therefore, that situation we find ourselves will never change. Because it doesn't depend on the oppressor to set the oppressed free. It depends on the oppressed whether he or she want to end the oppression or not. If you want to end, it will end. Literally, we end. I am not saying this figuratively. If there is a chain on your neck, your decision to keep the chain there is even your choice too. You can do something about it. I know this might be harsh, no? But I believe that the situation that we find ourselves today in Africa, we are also co-perpetrator of that as African people. If we want it to change, we will do something differently. Anyway, that is just, by the way, a, a, a sort of enlarging um, that argument But because it will need more time to explain, but I will just leave that there. Uh, I want to thank you, Olatuji, for what you have said because it was really valuable. I appreciate that. All right, Salif Ali, I think uh, a lot was asking a question, what does, what is even the meaning of Ali, maybe you could start with that, and then please share with us what you have to say about building diaspora memory with storytelling, please go ahead, and thank you for your patience, uh, all right, Salif, so sorry for that, um, the the connection is not is not allow you to do that. Maybe you can leave your comment uh, in the comment section. Then of course we'll definitely respond to you. I'm really sorry about that because the connection is not is not that good. Now I want to uh, post another question to Dr. Matiang, and this question has to do with um, uh, oral narration uh, as a way. That is, how do we leverage oral narration in building the diaspora memory? Can we even do that today? Talking of 2023. What do you have to say about that?
2: Yes, I can. I, I, I think um, Ola Toji did a lot of oral narration a while ago that explained it clearly why he, the story of such a great person that would have influenced him to become a boxer, the stories of his grandparents that were, have left or edged in his memory, her wisdom and her destiny and the providence of God that preserved your life. And so that emphasizes the importance of oral narration. Oral narration gives story the life that they possess. When someone is telling you what they have experienced, it cannot be discounted. The emotions, the the, the, the interpretations, the meanings that come with how they have lived that story how they have experienced that pain how they have analyzed that hurt how they have overcome that betrayal is moving in itself and transmit that power and that vibration to the hearer through oral dictation and oral traditions. And that is why it cannot be discounted, especially in the African diaspora, because everybody who tells the story, Allah Tunji tells the story of the story that his grandmother told him. If we heard it from the grandmother, it would be done differently, it would be said differently, and it would carry a different type of vibration and connection, because that is from a place of knowing. But Allah Tunja is now telling it from a place of understanding. That place of understanding has ampli- amplified that place of knowing. And so when it is moved on, it becomes a place of connecting. So it first started as a as a place of knowing, then it became a place of understanding that is now told from a new perspective and from also an experience that now is connected to someone else. So it becomes a a tool of connecting. And that connecting builds on that story and retains its identity in distant lands and generations that are removed from the homeland. So, Alotunje's children may never meet his grandmother. They, They will not. However, they will know her, understand her, and be connected to her because of the stories that he tells. So oral tradition must be organized in such a way to become a common part of storytelling, a collective preservation of the memory of our identity and the overcoming and preservation of the culture and of the identity. I believe that it must become a serious and sacred recounting of experiences and struggles and triumphs of our ancestors and it must create that sense of pride and continuity, belonging and power that Ola Tundra spoke about, that Africa can. It must carry the resilience and survival that have come down through the ages and from generation to generation. And it must remind those that do not understand the adversity that their actions brought upon people. It must become that source where he says the story of killing with kindness. It must become that source of of inspiration, and it must become an igniter of shame, a shame that is so present that it ignites lasting change. And it also serves that generation and give them this sense, this obligation, this responsibility to correct wrongs and to settle the scores and to give back people their attachment and their place of origin that they have been emotionally or mentally separated from. And it must also, oral tradition, to become a powerful tool and I'm still going with Alotunji as he told the story to his people, must become a tool of education and awareness. It must not become a tool of vindication and a tool of vengeance or revenge. It must become a tool of education and awareness so that we can heal ourselves and we can know that... How should I put it now? But they cannot kill us. They, they must know that we, 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 we are here to stay. They cannot kill us. They cannot change us. They cannot separate us from ourselves, from our power, from our rights, from our global understanding and adaptation and evolution of our core identity, because as we incorporate our experiences, the experiences that we have been taught, the experiences that we hear, the perspective, the narratives into a a comprehensive whole, of who we really are and what we can become. It bridges a gap between the past and the present and the future because the past shows us that we are overcomers. The present shows us that we are still here standing as conquerors and the future beckons to us that we are change agents. If we get that into our oral narrative, then we can never be defeated in our minds, in our spirits. Physically, we become the force that we were created and born, assigned and commissioned purposefully and intentionally to fulfill. I'm very passionate about it because I feel that our identities is not so much written. They are preserved when they are written, but they are part of us, our spirit, our DNA, our being, our existing. How we carry ourselves and how we make ourselves present is what kills us most of the time. It's not the motivation that we lack. It's, it's the discipline and consistency to be always knowing that when we go to the table, we must bring to the table our treasure bank. And our treasure bank is the composite memories that we have that make us who we are, that make us remain standing and make us not give up.
1: Thank you so much for that, Dr. I, I really appreciate that i do all right now for those of you that are in the audience um i understand that you appreciate the the contribution that we are, are providing for you here i, I would really do this uh, from the bottom of our heart we we really believe this is a call that we must respond to and we are doing this uh as a as a service to the community uh, but we have even decided to add more value to you uh for those of you who want to understand uh, how to leverage the power of storytelling, and of course, we are going to officially announce what we have created for you. Uh, but just because you are here, you are patient with us, because usually we do spend one hour. You are still here with us, even though we have gone one hour thirty minutes. Let me just announce to you that we have come up with a course. Dr. Marcia Olatuji and Nicosia who have gone, then of course I did the introduction at the uh, in the in the in the course. And it's available on aclasses.org. The course is titled How to Own Your Voice as an African Diaspora Through Storytelling. It's an intensive course uh, that really gives you um, the power to be able to leverage storytelling in what you do as an African diaspora. It's an important course that should actually cost no less than $250, but right now, it is discounted for only $55. If you are interested, just come to aclasses.org and then type how to own your voice as an African diaspora. Or you could write to me or write to Olatuji or write to Dr. Masia. But like I've said, we will organize an official launching of this course. But because you are here, I just wanted to sort of give you the back end uh, um Intro into this important cause that we have created for you. All right, so yeah, I want to thank all of you again for being here. Uh, we have spent the time that we needed to spend, and sometimes even more, because we we are passionate about it. You can see how motivated we are about this storytelling because we believe it really uh, can do uh, a lot uh, for us. All right, so as a conclusion, uh, I don't know what would you say, Olatuji, to conclude the, con- the conversation that we have had today? On building diaspora memory with storytelling please go ahead briefly to conclude
4: all right i, I want to appreciate everybody who has uh you know taking time to be with us even to now we do not take for granted your your time and um the passion you know something i know uh critically is that um there is there is that um you know awakening that is happening all right uh there is that um uh, you know, recognition, all right. When I when look at the word recognition, there's you know, reconnecting to your ignition that's where I see recognition. Don't mind me, uh, I'm a spiritual entomologist, I take words seriously and I open them up to make a lot of sense. So, I use the word reconnecting with your ignition in recognition. So, there the, we have a lot of recognition happening now, you know, reconnecting you back to that thing that that makes you to kick, reconnecting you back to your origin, all right? Making you, you know, get back to that place of your power and that place of your strength. So, um, you know, there's that adage in Yoruba that also says that, um, you know, the, the uh, it's like, you know, the, the culture, all right? That is not uh, taught to the children will die. You know, uh, uh, whatever it is, you keep away from the younger ones, we never see the light of tomorrow so it's an opportunity for us to understand that this is you know one of the very many things that we can do all right to preserve our culture uh before now we do not have that uh, enablement we do not have the, uh, as much as possible the the advantage we have today to be able to preserve all of these things. But seriously, we have more than enough today. You are hearing it now in audio form. It can be recorded, can have it in, in video, can have it in books. We can continually have it in conversations like this that can, you know, make a lot of things to happen. All right. So this is a call to every one of us to make sure. Now, and, and Dr. Masha, you know, Made a, a a very emphatic, you know, uh, point at that time. We we it's not a revenge, all right. No, all of these things are actually to awaken you, all right. And and the, I would like to mention this, all right. There was there was a time like that. I I invited um a very high profile, you know, a CEO uh in Africa uh for a program, and um he he turned down my invitation, all right, for that program, and that was in 2020. All right. And at the wake of 2021, I found myself on the list of 21 people who shaped LinkedIn in 2021, you know, and I found myself on that 21 list with him. So uh, it became very, um, you know, how will I say it now? Uh, you, you understand the emotion there. Now, I, I, I did not see it as a revenge. I saw it as an opportunity, and you know what? I was able to approach him even afterwards, and we had good conversation. But at this time, I understand that he now says that, oh, this guy that invited me and I turned down his invitation for whatever reason, you know, best known to him, you know, oh, he's not just any kind of guy. Oh, if he could be on this same list with myself, it means that oh, this guy has got something, all right. So we—it's not a call for revenge. It's not a call for a war. It's not a call for battle, all right. It's just for you to know that wherever they are, we can be there. So it's not that hey, we are—we are on the other side of you know of of the response. No, we can also initiate the action of, of, of greatness, all right? it's not meant for one person. It's not meant for some people. Whatever, you know, bad that has happened to our identity so far, it, it's no longer an excuse, all right? It's now a choice that we have now decided to wear uh, uh our chains are as cubans, all right? It's not a choice, all right. We need to understand that. So we need to we need to be able to come out of this shell and give no excuse. The excuses we still give today are so sickening and you know sour in the mouth. Something that happened hundreds of years ago, you are still giving excuse for you no, know, it doesn't make any sense. So we need to understand clearly that we are responsible, and all of this is not. For us to become arrogant. It doesn't make us wise, it doesn't make us as you know intelligent as we claim to be. We should go all out and let's you know get there and say, oh, come on, wow, you watch it and that's why you are here. We are not begging for it. We are not asking for, hey, please do me this favor. No, we are here, and you know, the, the, life is going to respond to us by our effort. And life is saying that, guy, you too can do it. I just need you to do this. I just need you to do that. And you are doing it. And definitely, I'm not going to, as we are creating this and making, you know, all of this to to become very important, we should be careful that we do not pass or build this building with hatred in any form of it. Please do not allow aggression to be part of the building blocks. Of these memories. Do not allow any illness of attitude to be part of these building blocks. It's not a a, a cry, it's a call. We are not to be pitied, all right? We are not to be pitied. We are what to be at the top, and that's what we are doing. We are only trying to make sure that we are growing the tree from the roots by going back to the root to check the things that are right, the things that are not right, right, and putting them in check so that we can reach the roof. So let's take the move. Let's make the move. And please remember, we can take out a strong man, but we cannot take out a strong people. None of us is more than all of us. Don't let it be that we are the ones stopping each other. That has been our nature. That has been their strength that, oh, just leave them. The crabs in the bucket will not allow other crabs to get out. Just leave them. Don't cover it. The other crab will not allow the next crab to get out. Let us vindicate ourselves from that. Let us get out of that, you know, wrong control uh, structures and do the things that will make us to be liberated. Ruah and Suah. That's our call thank you
1: thank you so much for that that, that message must go home Let, let's be the one to set ourselves free from uh from the shackles that we might find ourselves in because this salvation is not going to come from any other place if we refuse to save ourselves we will remain where we are thank you so much for that all right uh, dr Mastia, what would be your final thought here please go ahead
2: i i almost I almost don't want to speak after Alatunja because I just don't want to lose the essence of what he's saying. Because the fact of the matter is divided you stand, but united you. you. You united you stand, but divided you fall. And so it must not be, and I am agreeing with him, that we turn on ourselves in an effort to to take up a false loyalty or to promote a false self. We must water the roots by true storytelling. We must build a memory because it is building the memory that becomes our treasure house and that makes us a fortitude in ourselves wherever we are. It is the memory and the stories that frame us. Every one of us starts somewhere. Where we are now And who we will become, we are now becoming. Our stories are our cloak of protection. Our stories are our illumination. They are our light, a light that opens up to ourselves and opens the path for other persons to... We must carry ourselves with pride. We must always have our heads lifted. We must be very firm and resolute and unapologetic in who we are. But we must lovingly confront those who do not understand where we are and where our places in the world. When we are able to lovingly accept their distortions and lovingly confront their misunderstandings, then we we will show them the way. Uh, Because the way is in us. Our way is unique to us. Our path belongs to us, and nobody can light that path except us. We must be determined to light the path, and it is our stories and the memories that we hold dear and sacred that become the light bearers.
1: Thank everyone. I appreciate this uh, contribution, uh, especially, especially also the conclusion uh, from uh, Olatuji and Dr. Masia. Uh, thank you both uh for your for your sh- for your sharing here and for your contribution to this uh, conversation that we are having here about storytelling and of course today we talk about building diaspora memory that uh, with storytelling and this is something that is highly valuable for us as members of the African diaspora but also for uh, Africans that are in Africa this is fundamentally important that we are seeing it as a responsibility uh, uh, that is upon us as a call that we must respond to as a water uh, as it is that we have to drink uh, to be able to prepare for a better future and of course that future we're not going to be there uh, because nobody have the time to be able to live for another 500 years but we are sure we are certain that our name will be there because we are planting it today and this is what the storytelling is if we can stay here talking about other people that have been here or several hundreds of years ago uh it means that also us People will talk about us uh, when uh, our flesh have decayed, but it's all about the memory. It is believed also uh, somehow in Africa that we don't die, we only live in memory, and that is essentially what it means. Because if we are able to have a good influence on people, if we are able to plant good seed that will germinate, then we have more chances of being in the memory of the people. And as long as our people never die, we too never die. But we need to build that memory because it's only in memory that we exist. Other than that, we just blink our eyes and we disappear to come back no more. So thank all of you for the time. Thank for the sharing. It has been a pleasure on my part. And again, we are here every 14 days. So in 14 days time, we'll be here again to take on another argument on diaspora storytelling. Please come around because we are here, we are really here on purpose. I will be here for you. So, thank you so much. I do have a wonderful time at the count of three.